that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. A star-studded panel for us uh, this week, all of course in the lockdowns of their own homes. Uh, I've got Paddy Aspel here. Paddy, how are you? All good, lads. How are we doing? Very good. Good to have you back with us. Uh, Derma Nolan is here. Derma, how are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Doing okay, I think. And uh, Dave Weldon is back. Dave. Dean, how are you? Well, lads. Good. Yeah, all good. Um, Well, look, we were treated to... uh, bit of a, a, a superstar uh, roster of horses that ran, of course, over the last seven days or so and in traditional race hour fashion. We will uh, review some of the action that came at us from uh, from Ireland and also from Cheltenham. Uh, I might start with probably the biggest success of the, the podcast there last week. Um, Dermo, why not go to you first on this Paddy Power Gold Cup? Because uh, I was very keen that Al Dancer was going to win the race. You thought Spirit of the Games was the one to, to go against all those sexy uh slightly highly handicapped horses like some mr fisher and simply the bets and our dancer and uh stephen cass was all over a handicapped snip in in cool cody who got a remarkable ride the horse just jumped every fence like it was uh, the last thing he was ever going to do and uh, managed to stay out in front and cool cody beats spirit of the games with our dancer back in third uh why don't you spin me through to paddy power yeah it was a absolutely brilliant race wasn't it and uh i mean cool cody for kind of for for everything that this horse did wrong he really performed absolutely excellently i mean to hang on yeah you just thought two out when spirit of the games and uh and sky pirate kind of loomed up you just thought there's, there's there's no way this horse can stay here sky pirate did what he always does and he just completely deceived to kind of find anything um spirit of the games as lovable a horse as he is he just seems to lack that kind of finishing kick doesn't he he, he just never quite kind of gets it done and it's um these are very, very hard races that he's in. He will eventually, they, one of these will kind of fall his way, but it just kind of didn't happen for him. And Al Dancer uh, travelled very, very strongly and uh, stayed on quite quite well at the end. I'll, I'll leave you cover him, but I thought mm. he, he was covered by the front too. But the winner deserves an awful lot of respect for, for what he actually did in the end and how tough he was and just how clearly well ahead of his mark. And if they can fix his jumping, he, he could well go in again, but that's, that's a big ask. And... There was an awful lot of disappointments here, Dean, wasn't there? Like, I mean, you know, Slate House was poor. Mr. Fisher was poor. Um, simply the bets led and then just, just kind of seemed, seemed to completely lose his way. And he kept on, but he was very, very well held. And and just, yeah, like a, hard, a race that's very hard to know what to make of it. But the next time one of these big handicaps is on and Spirit of the Games is running, I'll probably be uh, backing him again then. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably stick with it. Why not? I mean, that was a very promising run and nothing really got back to, to cool Cody when he went off with the with the front runners and, and just stayed there. Um, Paddy, a, a big pot for Evan Williams and Tomasa Bryan to land with cool Cody and uh, it wasn't unbacked 10 to 1 and, and held off some nice horses in behind. Yeah, no, it was a very, very good effort, wasn't it? And I mean, it was a race that he hadn't had much luck in, albeit uh, picking up money. Uh, over the years, Evan Williams. So he was due a, a change of look in that particular race. But yeah, it was it was a hellish performance because, you know, even early on in the race, he had a real bad stumble, didn't he? Cool Cody, mm. and you know, you can't say it was a foot perfect roundy jumping, but with a lovely race and with ten stone five, and 
I mean, he just ground it out. Um, you really thought he was going to be nailed from the back of the last, but he dug deep. He was all goods, to be honest. And um, I mean, there was probably the majority of races were won by horses that were maybe closer to the front end, but it wasn't, yep. you know, uh, the complete makeup of the whole car. But no, nonetheless, it was very, very tough winner. I think it, it probably goes to show how how tough it was because. McCoy, when you watch him on TV, he seemed to get a real kick out of actually watching the race because it was yeah. really up his street the way it was the way it was ridden and, and how the horse won the race. Yeah, a lot of credit goes to Tomas O'Brien and maybe a little bit uh, less credit should be aimed at the jockeys in behind who did let him get you know a, a, a friendly a friendly advantage I'd say. And if you'd seen uh, Cool Cody jumping around, you're probably thinking this is coming back like it can't it can't stay where where it is, but it did. Dave, what did you make of the race? Yeah, the winner was very hardy, like very good. Um, it's just it brought me back to Bywise, and Bywise just always running this mm. race and be flying up the line, up the outside after jumping terribly. Like, why didn't you just ride in from the front like Kill Cody? Evan, maybe he's maybe he's <laughs> learned from that. But um, like I'd say in behind, they just thought like he, this lads, he was because he was going freely enough as well. He wasn't racing within himself; he was jumping erratically and, and racing freely. So I'd say the lads behind just thought this lad's not going to be able to last up the hill. Um, yeah. In fairness, once they came to him, he found a bit more and, and went away again. So he probably deserves a bit of upgrading as well, because surely he can't jump that bad again. Yeah, you would think so. But I mean, that's kind of like the Gold Cup for Cool Cody, yeah. you'd imagine. And you imagine they now have a, a stiffer task uh, against some of these horses in in similar races to come. Um, I want to talk about Al Dancer because I was quite keen on the horse going into the race. Well, very keen. And the basis being that you know I thought Sam would have to use all the speed that this horse has and get to the front and then let it tough it out because he tends to do this thing where he sits and sits on Al Dancer. And I'm sure the horse kids you into that uh, riding. Uh, mythology with our dancer and it does seem that there was a point there between the second and the third last between the third last and the second last where i think sam could have gone to the front he was only a length off cool cody at one point and traveling super uh super well and just didn't take the opportunity and then when the horses start coming it takes a little time for our dancer to get back in the gear and he stayed on again so uh, i just wonder you know maybe sam we need to send sam this podcast but there is a way to ride our dancer and i reckon you've got to let him uh, try and tough it out from the front end because he can always get you to the front end and then we'll see what he does for him after that but it was a big run from him but he did the best of the uh of the kind of more highly rated um, horses in the contest, likes of Simply the Bets and Mr. Fisher. I think you give Mr. Fisher another chance for sure. Uh, Simply the Bets, we may just find out that that race that won at Cheltenham was against far more exposed types. And now uh, Simply the Bets has got to step up a bit to be competitive off his current rating. Um, but but a cracking race and well done to uh, uh, Stephen Cass with Cool Cody, Dermo with Spirit of the Games and not so much me. Uh, without dancer back in third but uh the the tricast was there to be had and none of us did it so that tells you all you need to know about us um there was some other cracking races on that same uh card i might come to uh, one of them with you demo we saw a triumph pedal contender in duffel coat uh yeah i really i liked his performance an awful lot i mean he um he was caught out early for for pace there can be absolutely no doubt and that would be a concern going forward but People maybe aren't being uh, forgiving enough for this horse. I mean, that was his fourth run now um, this season. His second one quite quickly back to back where he's had to travel over to, to the UK and back again. And I mean, to to kind of stay on like he did against some much, uh, some much kind of horses that, that, that he was giving weight all around to. And he, he just stayed on so well. And um, there is a definite circumstance, in my opinion, where... 
they go off like the clappers in a triumph. And how many times have we seen it that that you know the real stayer in the race wins it? You know, just even Tiger Roll would actually come come to your brain that you know he just stayed on past them all that day. So mm. there is the fear with this horse that in a better race he just completely gets left behind. But I'm not convinced he's as slow as he looked there. And um, brilliant ride from Robbie Power. And I just think he could be one of these kind of sneaky horses in a grade one where he won't be as sexy maybe as some horse that has come out and won by 20 lengths in one. But he could just be tougher to, to, than an awful lot of them. And he's very mm. interesting. Yep. Um, and you can only beat what's there. You know, Hell Red was a disappointing um, short price favourite for for the Nichols camp. But, you know, the the, the the supposition is that there are some sexier, classier types to come out. There probably are, but uh, it's gone and won one of the key trials at Cheltenham at this stage of the season. That's a, that's a good uh, that's a good spin from Gordon Elliott's duffel coat with Robbie Power, who had just a fantastic weekend. Dave, you watched uh, El Dorado Allen come and win at uh, the Grade Two. Their disappointment in the race has to have been Fuzil Raffles. I think Keldestan uh, probably ran somewhere near um, its ability on, on that ground, but a real uh, market improvement from El Dorado Allen. It looks every inch proper chaser. Yeah, big time. Um, I think the front two, sorry, the uh, Gumball who fell at the last and mm. um, El Dorado Allen are, are definitely two to take out of the race. Like um, the arguments we made that Gumball was it was a tired fall and El Dorado Allen was going to pick him up after the line, but um, I think the two of them are very good horses. Fuser Raffles, I had a feeling would do something like that. Um, he just doesn't impress me the way he goes about his races. He's a bit scrappy jumping and, and um, just he travels a bit too keenly for me. Um, so I, I, El Dorado Allen looks a very good horse going forward. Um, and I'd be interested to see where they go from here with him. Yeah, for sure. Um, you would have been keen as well to see Storm Control go well in that um, amateur riders race. I know you're a big fan of Richard Patrick. Yeah, he's a great jockey. Um, he, that was his, he rode out his claim. Um, his three-pound claim's gone now. So I'd be interested to see where he goes from here. But... Um, it was just a case of um, the right jockey in the right race, and while well, that horse had never ran up to three miles, he he was just gone from the front, as Paddy was saying. There was a bit of track bias over the weekend there on the soft ground, mm-hmm. um, and just got away from them, and never really looked like picking them up. Um, and it was it was a great yeah. race to watch, a great jump performance. Yeah, it was cracking for those lads uh, to uh, to get those spins around on those tracks, and, and Kerry Lee and Richard Patrick doing very well. And with Storm Control, they're picking up a nice pot. Um, Paddy, it was nice to see a horse like on the blind side come and get a confidence booster in a handicap hurdle. And then by the time it got really dark, um, we we had that bumper at the end where your nap of the the week ran Ella Bell and uh, and just about got it done. Or did it with a Shikari lady? That was a fascinating finish to watch that on the TV in the gloom. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, either way, two very, very good mares, to be honest. Yeah. I think maybe on another day, LA Bell has got, I think, more speed than Ishikara Lady. And I think because she ended up with her head in front uh, probably earlier than ideal, uh, Ishikara Lady is the one who's got the run up the fence. And it's really helped. Um, I just think she wandered around a little bit because she was starting to come back again, Harry Skelton's mare. And yeah, I think... Yeah. It's it's pretty clear for all to see that probably she didn't come out the right side of the photo, but conditions on the day was just um it, it was it was a difficult call, but nonetheless two very very nice mares. I mean the the Harry Fry's mare is Cara Lady's got a serious serious engine, but she's obviously had her issues and great training performance by Harry Fry, and hopefully he can keep the wheels on her because she's she's ultra talented and yeah two very nice ones going forward as is the third Jersey Lady. Yep. Could well be a decent uh, mare's uh, bumper there to wrap up that card. I mean, does anyone have any views on what we can do to sort out this uh, photo finish thing? I, th- I think everyone concerned involved with, uh, with the with the winners uh, 
Dan Skelton and and Harry Fryer would be happy enough to to take uh, first place. But I mean, I don't know. Not many sports where it gets too dark to find out the result, but you give one anyway. Well, it's ridiculous timing of the race, Dean. Like, there's no way that there's no need for that race to be on at at five to four on a on a Saturday mm-hmm. evening. Like, if racing started at Punchtown at a quarter to twelve on the Saturday, there's no reason why Cheltenham could have started couldn't have started at at, 20, at ten to twelve or, or five to twelve instead of mm-hmm. half twelve, and then the race yeah, would have been over at three minutes o'clock. might have made the difference. Yeah, might have exactly. That's all it was. Like, yeah. So like mm. even in an earlier well, start, four and a half an hour, isn't it? That's that's kind of pretty much it. Like just just pull everything forward half an hour, and you won't have that issue. Yeah, exactly. And there's no and crowds. Happens, you're not yeah. waiting on people to get to the race and to to keep the crowds in and all that. So there's no crowds at race at the moment. So there's no actual reason why. I, I think Simon Clay's came out and said that it was due to ITV and their schedule and stuff like that that they had to have it on at that time. But surely that can be changed and amended. Yeah, I mean it depends what side of that result you're on about how kind of irate or or not. Uh, you might get about it. I mean, I thought connections were very, uh, were very good to everybody concerned to just, you know, accept that that's the way it goes. And if two of them win, that's, you know, that's, there is no loser. Um, a bit of prize money being shared, I guess. But uh, what about then on to um, Sunday? We did talk a bit about Brian Carver and the pressure that would be on him riding a horse like Magic Saints, uh, who could well be out this weekend in that Paddy Power handicap chase. Uh, the mucking brilliant Paddy Power handicap chase with Kraken. Uh, he, he did his job, didn't he? Quiet spell, Dermo didn't put him off. And Magic Saint looks uh, looks a horse that is uh, maybe about to fulfil all the previous potential. Yeah, no, he actually had a, a very good weekend visit. Yeah, Brian Carver, uh, and that was a cracking ride. Um, and Magic Saint was was much the best of them. But the uh, the Venetia Williams horse there in second. I mean, that travel like it was it was just was coming to win. Fanny Destreval and. Uh, Brian Carver was cool, very, very, very collected. And then he also was brilliant uh, the next day at Weatherby as well um, on Committer Quiz for Charlie Mann. I mean, he, he he's a very good jockey. Um, sometimes, again, of course, we can kind of run away with these things. Of, you know, he hasn't had the winner in a certain amount of days. But as you said, yeah. Dean, he, he's done a good few 250 to one shots, etc. So he is Yeah, he's got to learn his trade, hasn't he? He has to learn his trade. And you're going to ride a lot of losers on the route to, uh, to get in the big rides. That's it exactly, and he um, he's been patient, and when he does get his opportunity, he's taken them. So he's uh, he's definitely a jockey on the right way, and as good as Paul Nichols is at getting the best out of his horses, he, he's also brilliant at getting the best out of his jockeys. I mean, there's there's kind of very few jockeys that that pass through there that that don't become much better. You know, like even the likes of Nick Schofield from from years ago. Paul sure. Paul Nichols has a brilliant ability of picking out these uh, these young jockeys, and Brian Carver is just just uh, one of many. Yeah, yeah. What did you uh, make of Protector at running away with the uh, the novice chase on that same card? I thought that was pretty impressive. Went off favourite to beat Southfield Stone, but um, it looks like that's all coming together for the Skeletons. Very taking, uh, and really, um, when Southfield Stone loomed up, uh, was a two out. Um, you kind of thought he's he's in trouble here, but he mm. just powered away again. And I mean, that was a really taking performance. It'll be very interesting to see now kind of where they go next with him but that's not a performance to uh, take lightly because he he made Cheltenham kind of look like a flat track really the way the way he powered through it and yeah. um he boasted a lot of uh, very serious uh hurdle form as well so if fences have improved him as it appears so I mean he's another horse that they might try and stay away from him by Allen maybe but there's no reason why he couldn't go very well in an RSA I mean it's still early season form we don't really know with a lot of these horses, a few horses at Shelton and in general over the weekend on the heavy ground, they, they did kind of uh, flatter to 
deceive somewhat, but he 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 did what he could do and he did it very, very well. And um he's a horse that you have to take very seriously and just we it'd be very interesting to see him now in the grade one next time. Yeah, would be, and I guess that's where they've got to go, of course. Um, I'll come to this cross-country chase now, because the ground on that cross-country chase was was better than uh, the rest of the track. And at this point, Paddy, it was getting pretty sticky at Cheltenham, and it got even worse, you know, as the as the, the meeting kind of moved on. Um, but Kingswell um, Theatre was the one to, to come through and win at a big price, and you had some disappointments in the race. Lights of Tiger Roll never really got going at all, and there was even talk afterwards about whether we'd see him again. Now, Connections have said that Tiger Roll just be prepared now for the spring and, and go and see what they can do uh, once, the, once the sun comes out again and maybe be back to himself. But Easy's Land, I guess, would have been a disappointment in the race, but you know everyone's entitled to need a run, and especially in these types of races. Yeah, I think it was... More of a case of, I'd never actually had a proper look at the horse and I watched him going down to the start. I mean, he's only a very handy-sized little horse. Um, you know, mm. he hasn't got much size and scope about him, but, you know, nonetheless, prior to this, he looked very good on his feet and, um, you know, a very, very well-balanced little horse. But I think on the day, uh, Tom Scudamore and his brother Michael just, they had a plan with this horse was to get the rest of them out of his comfort zone because yeah. he said afterwards that this horse is painfully slow all he will do is gallop. He had 10 stone. And that's exactly what he did. He just got them. I've never seen Easy Land touch a twig uh, up until the other day. And I mean, there was two mm. things in particular. I mean, he met them halfway up. That was because he was out of his comfort zone pace-wise. Um, I mean, he actually stayed on and, 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 and ran okay in the end. I mean, if you, if you look back at the result of the race, it wasn't a complete disaster because, you know, the first three home were... were 10 stone, 10 stone, 10 stone one and yeah, 11 yeah. stone eight. But I think it was literally a fantastic bit of uh, race riding by Tom Scudamore because they, they thought we're not on the best horse of the race, but we'll t- try and take the French horse out of his comfort zone and go as fast as we can and see if we can just unsettle him. And that's what they did. It was it was a serious bit of race riding. Yep. And Dave, I'll come to you. I mean, this is the time where you can go and beat these big guns in this race because obviously the handicap nature of it and they took advantage of it. I mean, Easy Lands for me is done enough for me to still think that's obviously the one to beat uh, in March. And we just don't know what to make of Tiger Roll now at this point. And it's down to the geniuses at, um, at the Elliott Yard to, to get that horse back. Yeah. And in fairness to Tiger Roll, like, there was a video posted from uh, the next day by Gordon Elliott of him bouncing around the place. Um, back yeah. in back at home like so i wouldn't read too much into it um he never really performed this side of christmas um ever in his career um i think his strike rate goes from 20 percent before christmas to to over 50 percent in the spring like so um take that as what you will and he was given a lot of weight away to some good horses like um the likes of kings Theater, like he's run well in the trace before um easy stand um i don't know what it is about him um maybe it's because it's a french horse i don't know and i don't pay that much attention to French horses but he's obviously very talented like because he gave as Paddy was saying he gave some serious amount of weight away and still ran relatively okay in a race that wasn't there to suit him like given given the ratings um, and you'd imagine he, he's going to take some hard stopping to, I'd imagine Tiger Roll would probably be aimed more so at the Grand National now than the cross country and easy to handle will take some beating in the cross country I'd imagine yeah, I tend to agree with that. Demo, any insight into uh, into Tiger Roll? Obviously, you catch up with Keith. I don't know if you have since or uh, obviously you did before, but um, since, I mean, he wasn't on that day and that's nothing to do with the way that, that Tiger Roll and Robbie looked after him, obviously. So uh, any insight at all into into Tiger going forward? Yeah, none. They're, they're kind of uh, scratching their heads a small bit with him because 
he did have the flatter on this time before the uh, the race at Cheltenham, yeah. so there wasn't the kind of excuses which which there normally is. But just to echo what Dave said, it, it's just all all Keith was saying was that the kind of same as myself. It's very early to to write this horse off. Obviously, I mean he mm. he has never ran well at this meeting, as Dave said, and. Um, this isn't a horse who's been very consistent throughout his whole career. I mean, he's gone badly off the boil a few times and they've had to take him hunting. So they probably will. They'll probably take him hunting again. They'll, they'll, they'll probably do everything that they do to try and sweeten up these horses. And he's just, he's not one to ride off now. He'll, he'll, he'll slowly but surely be kind of work towards the uh, buying hurdle you think at, uh, at Navin before going back yeah. to, uh, to Cheltenham. And he's just a much better horse in the spring. So as disappointed as they were, uh, because Keith Wall is very disappointed in him. Um, he he just knows that it, it's uh, he's too good a horse now to just be be retiring off the back of uh, of one bad run like that. You know. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, it's it's a fascinating division if he was to go back there. But Easy Lands, um, for me would be the one to take forward. Obviously, given the nature of that race and what's to come. Uh, as we get to the spring, uh, does he know picked up the grade two demo? Any thoughts on Kim Bailey's horse? That looked like really nice placement actually to come and pick off a couple of these. Polish was a little bit better back in third. And I know that they, they think that they'll be delighted with, with picking up uh, a bit of place money there. And that might be one for handicaps in time. But does he know they're going to aim pretty high, I would imagine? Oh, yeah, they'll they'll have to. Um, kind of strikes me as a horse who's um, picking up these races as the season begins. And then yeah. when, the kind of, when the better horses come out, he might struggle or he could maybe do what you know what I mean Harry did that season and just keep improving because this horse screams to me as a Albert Bartlett type rather than a um rather than anything else. So he's uh he's definitely one for a race like that you'd think. So he's he's very good and I mean Kim Bailey's form is is just frightening really how how he just keeps on going and he's he's definitely a trainer to uh, stay on the right side of them for sure. Yep, yep. On to uh, Sunday, Paddy. I wanted to come to you first on on what was a, a a taking performance, but it probably needs a bit of context put around it. But the big breakaway, uh, getting it done, and novices chase that kicked off that card uh, at Cheltenham on Sunday. Uh, lots of nice things being said about Colin Tizard's. Uh, well, what looks like a real scopey, big big old typers as well named. Yeah, I mean, I look. Obviously, he was sent off four to nine, but in fairness to him, he won like a four to nine shot. Travelled and mm. jumped like a four to nine shot. So. It's impossible, really, to pick holes in what he did the other day. I mean, I think you'd probably forget that he's only a five-year-old. Um, you know, it's incredible. There's a serious engine in there, and you know, connections will have been absolutely chuffed to bits. And he's won by ten lengths. It was only a schooling session, really, and it's onwards and up here, uh, onwards and upwards, should I say, with the big breakaway? Because you know, he has come from a yard that have been taking their first comeback runs, whereas this chap has popped up at the first time of asking. So probably just tells you how good he is, Dino. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, there's lots to look forward to. Without getting too carried away, if you're going to get a schooling round in and, and pick up a race, uh, it's very handy to do it in something like that Mallard Jewellers contest at Cheltenham because you get a lot of that key experience in early doors. So they'll be delighted. Another good winner as well for Robbie Power and the Colin Tizard Yard, as we suggested on this pod a couple of weeks ago, starting to uh, to come into life nicely. Um, the, the big talking point of the day, of course, was... was Deffy Desoy in the in the Schler chase and uh, put the kettle on, just enhancing that magic record at Cheltenham. I was fascinated to hear Paddy Brennan say afterwards that really put the kettle on. It's only had kind of one race in the last twelve months, then this one because it didn't run between a November win at this at this meeting and Cheltenham uh, last season. Demo, are we? Uh, you know, we can focus on Deffy and, and Deffy disappointing, um, but put the kettle on needs needs plenty of credit given, doesn't it? 
plenty of credit. And um, Aidan Coleman, of course, who, who rode the horse. Sorry, was, that's uh, what I meant, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Yes. Um, the, um, he's, he's a story in himself, really. I mean, he's a superb jockey who maybe, uh, I suppose you could draw a small few parallels between him and maybe and the, the, the likes of Noel Feely and that here's a very good jockey we all knew was very good, but had kind of had to wait a long time to get on properly good horses. And... Um, mm. Aidan Coleman all kind of kicked off with Paisley Park. He has this horse now. He will have the ride and Epitant as well. So he's a jockey really on the up. He's always been brilliant. I mean, remember his rides on like Mon Moe when he finished third in the Gold Cup and Cave Aramis to win the uh, attempts that time. He's he's a superb jockey and um, I'm absolutely thrilled for him. But this horse, uh, put the kettle on, she deserves a lot more praise than, than she's getting. Yes, the race fell apart, but she didn't take much of a cut of it either. She looked like she really needed it. Um, mm. She didn't jump with her usual aplomb. She kind of fell back a bit, and but she was just tough enough and is good enough at Cheltenham that she was able to just kind of edge it out. Duck to Geneve, who, um, who was second, he's a good horse himself, and um, Paul Nichols seems to have found the key to him again, which is uh, very interesting. But put the kettle on, it's not like we're talking about a division here, Dean, where we have Sprinter Sacra or we have, you know, um, a lot of the horses that are t towards the head of this market are, are not guaranteed to make the uh, champion chase. And what we have mm. here is we have a horse with a superb record at Cheltenham. I mean, when you look at the top of that market, Altior, he's, you know, he's getting on now. We don't really know what's left of him. I love the horse, but we don't really know what's there. Uh, Defi Desai, there there has to be uh, massive question marks now because that's a second terrible run in a row, although Hobbs' horses do seem to have a massive question mark over them. And then Chacken Porsois, who's one of the most talented horses around, but just kind of completely seems to be made of glass. So um, Put the Ketlon could just end up falling in here. And she's more than good enough. The owners, I mean, what a dream horse to have. Yeah. Um, and that's that's three runs of Cheltenham down a row and three wins. Um, she is definitely a contender and it's about time that kind of people started accepting that really. Yeah, I mean, Paddy, the eyeballs were of course on, on Deffy and geez, they took a cut some of those fences and perhaps paid for that a little bit later on on the sticky ground. Dickie Johnson, I saw on the TV saying that, you know, everything was good with uh, with Deffy at home and, you know, improve plenty for that. But that was a disappointing spin and the question marks are out. Oh, they've got to be for sure, but you know when you are sent off a six to five favorite, obviously no matter how well you perform or jump, there's always going to be holes to be picked uh, from certain angles. But yeah, that was a bit of a shocker, and you know two from twenty five in the last fortnight in the Hobbs team. So mm. you know, they're not exactly on fire at the minute, and you'd nearly prefer them to say, well, yeah, God, he was a bit quiet himself today, or you know we've noticed one or two little things at home, rather than. Oh no, he's bouncing and he's whatever. Because then you are really scratching your head as to think, well, why is he running like that? You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, plenty of question marks. There's no doubt, and it's back to the drawing board. But you know, obviously, he's only seven, so you, you you can't really be writing him completely off yet. But that was that was definitely but well below par. Yeah, I think poor old Ed Chamberlain was uh was thinking Deffy might have a few more years on the clock when immediately afterwards said wondered if we'd see Deffy on the racetrack again. I mean, it, he's only seven, as you say. Um, Dave, a betting angle with Deffy Desoy going forward. Are we still um thinking that this is a champion chase contender as they've campaigned over the last two years, or um, or is there potential for them maybe to to up and trip? I quite like the idea of Deffy getting back on song for Ryanair. Yeah, I'd agree, uh, Dean. Like we seen a couple of years ago when he won the, the JLT, um. The Marsh, as it's now called, beaten lost mm -hmm. in translation. Like it was a very strong form, like in the 
two of them had a ding dong battle over over that season, um, and he looked at ease that traveling within himself jumping. It kind of gives him a bit more leeway with his jumping, and he has that finish that two mile kick that we've seen before um, over the extended trip that he could be, be workable at that that uh, that distance. So that's where I'd be going with him. Whether I'd be wanting to back him for anything now, I, I doubt it. Um, while he's only seven, he's been around a long time. He's been on the go since three-year-old, winning the Triumph. And, mm. and he's had a year off. Remember, he had a year off on four to, to six as mm. well. Like, um, So he's probably a bit bit of him that's maybe a bit soft. Um, and maybe last year was a perfect storm before the champion chase that he was able to, to win them races and, and show himself to such good effect. So um, for me, he's probably on the shelf now while he'll be running until I see some, a spark back in him. Sure. Um, what did you make of Riders on the Storm, Dave? Because this was a weird bit of placement for me at two miles for that horse, but um, you know, nothing. In, you know, there's there's nothing to take out the run. I mean, he's beaten streets and streets. Um, a, fa- a fascinating decision, really, about what they're going to do next. Yeah, maybe they just felt he needed the run and the conditions suited him here, so he, he just mm. get, a, get a good bit of work into him and, and, and have bigger targets later on in the year. I, I'm not really sure, Dean, to be honest, because it was, it was a strange bit of placing, because clearly he, he stays further than two miles easily, and two two miles is below a minimum trip for him, you'd, you'd say. Um, and it was really a nothing race. Like the, the front two at the end were in a different league to, to, them, to them two, you know? Um, so yeah, it was a strange one. I, I'd be interested to see where they go next, what to do. It'd be interesting now to step up to a King George, say, or something like that. It'd be a massive change in tactic. Well, there's loads of options with yeah. that horse because it seems like he, he could he could do it at any kind of distance. So the next race now for Deputy Soren Riders on the Storm will be will be fascinating tells um, <clears throat> as to what's to come, of course. Um, Dermo, why don't you tell me about Emmett Mullins and the Shunter? Because... Uh, this horse prepped over uh, fences. Um, there was a couple of interesting runs prior to that where they were well highlighted that perhaps you know the shunter was being lined up for something. Uh, a fantastic bit of training to come and win the Greatwood. Absolutely brilliant training. I mean, Emma Mullins is a he's a brilliant place. Uh, he's brilliant at placing his horses. Um, he's landed a good few kind of touches like this. And no matter how well handicapped you think you have a horse, to be able to land the uh, the the Greywood like they did is is very impressive. I mean, there 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 does have to be question marks. Obviously, I, I mean that run of Tipperary where there was bands and fines handed out there, where the horse finished fourth, where he just like I mean, clearly just kind of wasn't wasn't off really on the day, and the the stewards and everyone else felt the same. So it depends on how how you feel about this. Um, my my take on it is is that the the handicap system itself is wrong, and that it encourages this. So a trainer to come along and take advantage of it. And another aspect of kind of horse racing that annoys me is is that it just seems to be that there's there's some trainers where people laugh and love when they they kind of land touches like this and they they absolutely uh, wax lyrical on social media about this brilliant trainer and oh god he's he's shrewd and then other trainers like you know like Dennis Hogan or Emmett Mullins does it uh, and it's like they've uh, they've murdered someone um it's this is the system it's been the same way since since all of us got into racing the aim of the game is to try and get a horse well handicapped an awful lot of trainers do it they they, they would go into Cheltenham with a, a a 10 pound lower mark than what the horse is is more than likely good enough off and Emmett Mullins has has done this with the shunter I, I I would prefer maybe if the system wasn't like this but it is and Emmett Mullins and uh, Paul Byrne have have taken advantage of this and, and fair play to them Dave. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of fine with it. I'm just a bit gutted I didn't get on because it looks more obvious afterwards and the money obviously was there for the shunter. And if Sasaiko, who I fancied in the race, had run anything like I expected it to and finished second, I think I'd be pretty annoyed. But it didn't, so therefore I'm like, well, fair play. Uh, Paddy, they went and did it in a big old pot there and uh, the shunter came home three lengths to the good. So maybe didn't even need as much as they had in hand in the end. Yeah, he did. It was a massive run. Um, great win for the team. And obviously, he's a very, very capable trainer, Emmett Mullins. And, yeah. I mean, look, the handbrake has, has been firmly off since they were had their knuckles wrapped in Tipperary. I mean, he's run some solid races and he's been mixing it under both codes. But, I mean, conditions on the day were awful, weren't they? I mean, just a massive run by, by Bally Andy. I mean, he was, Bally yeah. Andy was giving the shunter two stone, um, yeah. you know, and he was ridden positive and went down, you know, on his sword, Ballyand. He's a credible horse, but, you know, lovely pot the, the lads picked up here. And I thought the race fell apart a little bit because there's plenty of horses keen in behind in very bad ground and probably yeah. on the day didn't really get to give their true run and simply because conditions were so bad. But nonetheless, take nothing away from the shunter. Like I said, they've landed a, a nice pot and he should continue to progress, albeit he's, he's a rising eight-year-old. Yeah, I mean, the... the feels like job done with the shunter and and fair play to them landing a, a big old part of Cheltenham I and mean, we haven't even come to Ireland yet um in terms of a couple of races I wanted to uh, to mention there and uh, I guess the the big talking point for the the weekend was the the, the kind of champion hurdle picture and uh, it didn't really get sorted out in the Morgiana as I expected it might do with saint finishing in behind Abracadabras and uh, and um, Jason the Militant also run a very big race. Dave, I'll come to you on that. I mean, it was a muddly old um, contest in the end. And I can imagine uh, Mark Wall should be thinking, if I ride that um, another 10 times, I'll win another 10 times. Yeah, possibly. Um, it, it was a really messy race. There's no getting away from that. And I don't think neither any, any of the horses enhanced the reputation really from it. Um, like, you could say Saint Wall was the best horse in the race. But if he gets to the front... Does Abbott find more and, and pull out a bit more? You don't know. Like the, the Elliot horse really idled up the running, like he was Dawson, yeah. Dawson, and Dawson. Um, as soon as he hit the front, so it ideally we get to Christmas and either JP or Town throw in a horse to make the pace similar to what Captain CB used to do for Jeski, um, and we get a true run, uh, two mile race at Christmas and we and we find out where, where we stand with these two horses because the last two races that Abel Kadab has run and has been unsatisfactory and that race on, on Sunday was, was very unsatisfactory for me anyway. Yeah, it was. And um, I, yeah, I think obviously naturally they're all going to go for the Irish champion, which which just makes sense. You stay home, you go for the big pot there. Um, and I think that will, will sort out the pecking order. Paddy, what did you make of the, the contest? And, you know, I, I'm not I'm not inclined to blame Mark Walsh for anything because he's got a super keen, fresh uh, horse underneath him who's um, obviously got more gears and it was bad ground, so he's trying to do the right thing and unfortunately just didn't go to plan. I think that's the fairest way to, to put the put the race. You know, I think he, he done plenty wrong as well, the horse, didn't he? I mean, I don't think you, mm. could, you could entirely blame Mark Walsh because, you know, obviously having his first run, he was trying to save a bit of Petra, but... St. Rod just he wouldn't drop the bridle at all. Uh, you could see Mark Walsh's feet were on the dash the whole way. Um, right. you know, and he's so quick on his feet, it wasn't like he could knock a swing out of him at a hurdle. So it was very difficult. He was always doing too much, and you could tell from a long way out that you know he was gonna have to be very, very good to last home because he was gonna go for his girth and and, and have a blow at some point. And 
I mean, even up the straight, you know, he didn't jump the second last or the last very well. And, you know, he still actually finished quite nicely. So on the whole, it was a very solid run. And it's not like an absolute rag has, has turned up and beat him. Um, Correct. So I just think enough has gone wrong for him to get beat. And he's only been beat by a very narrow margin, albeit on the weights he was on the ratings, he was the best horse in the race. But it's not as if everything went smooth and, and, and to plan and, oh, he, he's got beat. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried in any sense. Yep. Demo, which way would you uh, take those runners forward? I think the ground played a huge part in, in everybody running their race the way they did, to be honest. It did. It kind of boils down to what Ruby Walsh pointed out on Racing TV as well, that, you know, three out, same wall, jumped really well and nearly jumped into the lead. And Mark Walsh, just understandably on the ground, didn't want to take it up. So he ended up going back. And at that exact point where he kind of took the pull was when Keith and uh, Jack Kennedy decided to that, that they were going to move forward. So it, it just ended up at that exact moment that Mark Walsh went from potentially jumping into first to kind of last and boxed in. And it was just one of those horrible situations where you see a jockey with full of horse under him. And then the horse didn't help him massively with those two kind of uh, questionable jumps. But every horse seemed to meet the, the last hurdle wrong for yeah. whatever reason. Um, but it was a monstrous performance just 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 to get as close as he did because when you compare him with uh, Course of Lime, Course of Lime ran a bit free as well. And Course of Lime absolutely died a death jump in the last. You know, I mean he was he was free and easy as well, kind of early on. And um Saint Wall was even more so. So just for a line between them two now, now their prices were completely different, obviously, because Saint Wall mm. is a better horse. But just when you compare the two of them, Saint Wall's performance was absolutely brilliant. Um Abacadabras, whilst the race worked out brilliantly for him, he was the main beneficiary and how everything worked out, he wouldn't have wanted to have been in front that long. Um as a as I ended up working out at Cheltenham as well, he'll want better pace. He'll want better ground. So I'm not convinced that Abigail is out of the champion hurdle picture, but same wall for me anyway, definitely emerged from that race as the, the best horse in it. And um, there is situations where Abigail can uphold that form, but definitely next time uh, Mark Walsh will, uh, I'd imagine just, just kind of be that bit more braver, maybe let the horse kind of take it up. And um, he, he won't find himself, in that situation again anyway but he's a brilliant horse yeah. brilliant jockey so just as the season goes on anyone that's on the kind of fancy prices with St. Wall will be delighted because what we have here is a very special horse and the division overall because Abercadabras ran a blinder really well there's, there's there's plenty of improvement to come from him he is a bit tougher than than people kind of let him on to be as well and Jason the Militant deserves a lot of praise as well that was a big step yeah. up from uh, from Down Royal he ran an absolute blinder and even Corsa Blime who travelled to the last like he was going to be involved that was his first run for a new stable and Grodo Lachlan wouldn't have the same kind of horses to work with him like uh, Gordon Elliott would. So the, uh, the champion hurdle division for as much cribbing as we've given it over the last few years, there's, uh, there's two, if not four horses there that, um, that will, that will be very interested and with connections that'll be very enthused going forward. So it's a very good division. Um, but at the moment you'd, you'd have to say St. Wall is the most promising one. Yeah, absolutely the one I'm looking forward to even more than I was before the Morciana. Whilst I would have loved uh, Santwa to come through and win a couple of lengths, as I think was probably capable of on the day, and with more improvements to come, uh, better ground perhaps, and uh, you know a bit of an easier run through, I think Santwa will confirm that. And then if you look at the pitch, Epitant is not going to get a, a you know, point-and-shoot job like uh, she did at Cheltenham last year. So that is fascinating. I think the 6th, 7th one around for Santwa um, would be where I'd be looking at. 
for the champion hurdle. Um, I must just give a quick mention to Astera and Falange uh, trying to jump into the car park again on Chase Davy, but they've got that out of the way and they will be moving forward as well. Um, I don't think there was too many others to mention over the weekend. That was a marathon review, of course, from some, uh, well, some masses and masses of really good racing. Um, plenty of questions answered, some left to be answered. Um, when we come back after this break on the Race Hour podcast brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk, we're going to have a look at Haydock and Ascot this weekend. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, alongside myself, Dean Reinhardt, Dave Weldon, Demi Nolan and Paddy Aspel. We're going to take a look at some of the weekend racing to come up uh, on your television channels uh, from Haydock and Ascot. Kicking off with the 150 at Haydock. Uh, do uh, watch your um, bets here if you're getting involved early doors. As Itchy Feet is jocked up at Ascot in the 205 and also still declared for the 150 at Haydock, which if it ran there would probably be favourite. Um, but if it doesn't, then it looks like it'll be master Tommy Tucker, who uh, came out and won uh, last time out after being beaten by uh, the third in the Paddy Power, uh, Al Dancer, prior to that at Newton Abbott. Um, I might kick off with you here. Um, I know you're a fan of the, the brilliantly talented but ultra frustrating uh, master Tommy Tucker. Yeah, he's a brilliant horse. It's just I couldn't bring myself to back him. Like I enjoy watching him winning, but um, especially at those odds, you, you just don't know which which version of him will show up. I mean, behind yeah. Al Dancer, Al Dancer beat him fairly that day, but still, he, he just he just looked wild. Um, the one the one that I've come down on here is uh, Dashiell Drasher, who who I thought was very interesting last season. Um, gave gave Champ a good run for his money, but obviously Champ uh, had his own mad ideas that day. And then <laughs> last time out at Haydock was a really comfortable winner here. Um, like like uh, really easy um, over this course and distance and he'll run here he's a horse with absolutely plenty of upsides he beat Champion Mystery that day really easily he does jump well he he unseated rider one day at um, at Newbury's last season but bar that he's a he's a good jumper and um, and definitely he's the one here here for me at 6-1 to one with uh, Matt Griffiths jocked up and uh his only entry, so he's one of the only bets that I've had uh, so far this week, Dean, because I think uh, Dassel Drasher could well end up being one of the uh, the better-backed ones here. Okay, I've got a strong fancy in this race, but I'm not going to give out yet. Dave Weldon, you're up next. Uh, assuming Itchy Feet doesn't run, what do you like? I, I agree with Dermo. Dassel Drasher is the one for me here. Um, he, of course, in this form, is going to be very important around Haydock. It's, it's, it takes a bit of getting, as we know, um, and the fence take a bit of jumping, so... He's the one um, to st- take a step forward from his novice form. Okay, two votes for Dash or Drasher. That's Jeremy Scott. Matt Griffiths already booked up and uh, best price for around six to one at the minute for that 150. Paddy, over to you. Do you have something to take the lads on with? I do, um, but I want to see what you think. Uh, I'm with Caribbean Boy here. Okay. Um, I think he's a horse. Obviously, he hasn't been entirely straightforward maybe to keep right or whatever they're wanting to give him time but you know since they brought him over from France where he actually seemed to withstand quite a bit of racing they've only been able to run him twice but you know massive run first time back at Donny I mean 632 day absence and I mean, although he was beaten nearly 10 lengths it was a it was a massive run jumped well 
and then at Haydock the next time, the horse that beat him or, or won the race at Doncaster, he absolutely smashed him at Haydock on, on heavy ground, um, jumped well, done everything very, very right. And I mean, that was the handicapper had him off 138 that day. He's off 144 um, on Saturday. So, I mean, even if connections do go back into, into handicaps with this horse, I think he's very well treated off 144. And he's open mm-hmm. to any amount of potential. He just had two starts over fences. Yeah, okay. Caribbean boy then. Two votes as well for Dash or Drasher. I'm a massive fan of Windsor Avenue. And I think if they do line up here, it looks like Brian Hughes is booked up already. The 9-2 to two that's around, only one or two places still, um, will be long gone. And I think Windsor Avenue will have a good season. I thought it ran really well behind Imperial Aura uh, the last day. Uh, they were tinkering with the wind there as well. And uh, I expect Windsor Avenue to come on a bundle for that. So I'd be very keen on Windsor Avenue in that first uh, race at Haydock. But we've split the panel there. A bit of Dashel, Drasher and Caribbean Boy. Uh, it looks like being quite a hot race. And you've got that monster that is Master Tommy Tucker, if he puts it all in, and potentially Itchy Feet. Although when we come on to the 205 um, at Ascot, uh, which is the Chanel Farmer Grade 2, um, Itchy Feet could be the outsider of those four there, Dave. Likes of Real Steel. Um, Black Corton and Imperial Aura. Um, yeah, it's a really good field. Um, field. All, all kind of consistent types. Um, Imperial Aura is very progressive and they're kind of picking their way around these small field races um, to get them up to where they want them to be at grade one level, you'd imagine, soon. Um, Black Corton's a solid 160 horse. Itchy Feet mm-hmm. was disappointing, but not massively so in the old round. Um, he ran on well to finish third. Really fancy him that day, but... He, He's, I would have to step forward from that. Ollie's Murphy's yard has probably picked up a bit as well. They had a nice couple winners yesterday. Um, but the one I really like is Real Steel. Um, I think if you stop the Go Cup tree out, um, there's no one travelling better than Real Steel. He's won twice over this trip before for Woody Mullins last year. He'd be full pad by 14 lengths. Um, and he was only three lengths behind Min in a John Durkin um, last season as well. So I think he's the best form in the race by far. Should be favourite. Um, Paul Nichols has done okay with these um, imports from Willie Mullins and um, most of them have run well and I think this is Real Steel's ideal situation um, ideal trip, ideal ground and I think he'll take a bit of stopping Confidence selection then Real Steel for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden in that grade 2 at Ascot Paddy how do you sort this four out? Yeah I mean I, did, I think it probably went under the radar a little bit but Real Steel ran some race in the Gold Cup um, mm. he's only beaten just over seven lengths I mean look I think he was ridden just to, to try and nick a bit um, it appeared that way and then it probably looked like maybe he just didn't quite um, see it out on the day but it was still a massive run he has got some very tidy form I'd be interested to see what sort of tweaks Nichols has made with this chap he might just sort of appreciate a bit of, a bit of TLC and this might just be the time to catch him you know I mean, at the minute, the ground is looking pretty reasonable at Ascot. And um, mm-hmm. I think the trip will be about bang on from um, off the back of a, a little bit of an absence. So I think I'd be in agreement. Imperial Aura sets a real good standard. And one thing about this horse is he loves jumping. He's a great jumper. He's very straightforward. The, the typical Kim Bailey, they, they keep it simple. So he sets a good standard. But, you know, real steel. He's rated 166. And um, I think he could he could be the fly in the ointment here for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned Imperial Aura. I think this is the day that Imperial Aura either jumps up to the top table or remains kind of at this kind of level. Dermo, I'll let you go next. Two uh, votes for Real Steel, really. Yeah, Dean, I completely agree with the lads. I, I mean, the key to Real Steel is going right-handed. Um, I mean, to run the race that he did 
in the Gold Cup, knowing what we know about him going left-handed. Um, not only is this horse a fancy of mine for this, I think he's a dark one for the uh, the King George as well. I mean, when you run through his form, I mean, he beat Secret Investor by 14 lengths last year, beat Footpad, as Dave said, ran a blinder in the Gold Cup. Um, uh, the season before that, he beat Hardline, a Punchestown, who's a good horse on his day as well. And just every time this horse has gone left-handed, he, he's just kind of flopped a bit. So Ascot here is going to be absolutely ideal for him. This horse is just off the top level. I mean, he's rated 166. There's no reason... There's no reason why he shouldn't he shouldn't win this race. He is the um he sets the standards. He's uh he's with Paul Nichols, who's obviously an outstanding trainer since moving from from Willie, so it's not exactly a trainer upgrade. But he comes into this, he's very exciting, and I've half an eye on him now if he if he performs well here. He could be a short price here. So if he wins this, he'll shorten for a King George. So he's it could be worth we're taking that kind of 16 to one or so about him, him to win that race, because I'd really fancy him in that as well. So I think real steel wins this thing. Definitely. And Nichols has some grip on that King George, as you mentioned, uh, another one to add to the party, potentially, if this all goes to plan in that grade too, um, it wouldn't be a race. I'd be looking to, to punt in perhaps, but I'm fascinated to watch it. And as I say, Imperial Aura is the one that not interests me as a betting perspective, but interests me to see how high uh, this one can climb for Kim Bailey. And this is another test. And Itchy Feet looks like it will line up there in a similar bracket, really, to that one, where you know Black Corton is going to run uh, somewhere close to the 160 mark that it has already. So, okay, fascinating race. That's the 205 at Ascot. Um, as we come on to Haydock, the 225, uh, another Imperial horse. Um, obviously, those owner connections go with the Imperial Alcazar. And that looks like being the, the favourite here. Uh, fascinating runner over from, from Cole Murphy if it comes is relegate, of course, a former bumper winner. And uh, and main fact, who doesn't know how to lose for David Pipe? Dave Weldon, I go to you first. Yeah, it, it's a really good race. It's really competitive. Um, be interested to see if the Jam Man and Regulate come over because it's, it's a decent pot. Um, it's two I was yep. interested in. One is, is a massive price for Emma Lavelle. Uh, Shang Tang, 33 to 1. Uh, been off the track a while now, but had really good form last year without winning. Um, was third and had a recent, sorry, he's had a recent run behind Riva Durchie at Weatherby, which was a really good race on uh, Halloween. And Riva Durchie won very well, but the first three were, were very well clear. And I think that run will set him up perfectly here. It was six behind Shantry House last year at Cheltenham um, at the December meeting. Uh, a 10 to 1 shot was a fine and respectable run behind a good horse. Um, she's only rated 127. Second run after a wind up is perfect. Um, and I just think at 33 to 1, if he runs, it, it looks a big price. Uh, and the other one, just to mention, is uh, Colony of Ollie Murphy's uh, for Jacob McManus' is a 10 to 1 shot. Uh, one last time at Fontwell, beat a horse called mm -hmm. Hijack. It just looks a progressive horse and could be one of JP's Saturday winners. Okay, Kaluni is interested for Ollie Murphy and the big price is Shang Tang uh, for Emma Lavelle, should they choose uh, to line up here with their six-year-old. That's around a 33 to one chance. Paddy, I'll come to you next on this contest. I mean, this always uh, encourages a big field. It used to be the fixed brush, of course, but no longer uh, the fixed brush hurdle, but a, a fascinating race all the same. Sometimes you get a few chasers uh, line up in here to get their seasons underway. Yeah, decent lineup for sure. Um, very, very competitive stuff. I think it's funny with the skeletons. They've... Like you know, with protect the rat we seen the other day, they've they've just mm. been a complete sort of turnaround with their horses, regardless of the way they ride them, and they've kind of done the same with this west of the bridge because 
last year they were making plenty use of him, uh, riding him on the front end and, and sort of being the hair, playing the hair a little bit. Whereas this time around, they've done the complete opposite and he looks far happier doing that. Um, I mean, he got an absolute peach of a ride off Harry the last day round Carlisle. I know things fell in his lap a little bit as the way the race was run, but he won quite nicely. I just think this horse will be arriving into this race. You know, maximum confidence. Still is off a mark of 140, but he is going to have to improve again. But this is a pretty compact handicap. So I do like West of the Bridge. And I think I'd agree with Dave about Shang Tang. But the only thing I would say about Shang Tang is I've put him in the notebook now on nearly every one of his, his reappearance runs. And he's never come out and sort of followed up. He's still a maiden. There's bags of ability there. Um, you know, and I do hope he pops up one day. But he, he for me, he's done it. He's done it two or three times now, Shang Tang. A real good reappearance. You put him in the notebook thinking he'd be straighter the next day. It's the time to get him. And he, he just takes a backward step. Um, that's the only question I'd have over him, albeit plenty of ability. But probably on the day, west of the bridge for me. Okay, west of the bridge, around 20 to 1 at the minute in the current market. And uh, a word to the to the wise, perhaps, around Shang Tang, uh, who could sneak in there right at the very bottom. Uh, Derm, I'll let you have a crack. Oh, God, I, I'm going very boring here, but I think the favourite, Imperial Alcazar, is going to take an awful lot of beating here. Um, mm-hmm. Off his mark of 140. I mean, absolutely hammered Muckamore last time, but the the really interesting run was when he was ahead behind a pre- protector at at, um, at Cheltenham last season, over two and a half miles. Um, has always looked like a real staying trip would would definitely suit him. Um He's only six years old. Fergal O'Brien's having an absolutely brilliant season so far. And a mark of 140 will, will, will race up 10 stone 11 as the weight stand at the moment. But, you know, you're hoping the likes of the um, the jam man kind of stay in and the likes of that so that the and Holstone so that the, the weights kind of stay as they are. But um, just for what this horse has achieved so far in his, his very short career, he's only had seven runs. Um, I just think he'll he'll tough this out. He's coming. He's uh He's won well when fresh before as well. And just off off 10 stone 11 and a mark of 140, I just think Imperial Alcazar will take an awful lot of stopping. And Relegate deserves an awful lot of respect because that was a big run into Pertemps when Paul Townend probably gave her a bit too much to do that day, but she stayed on very well. So she'll be very interesting here. But Imperial Alcazar for me at 5-1, to one, uh, the prices shouldn't be all that different on the day. And I just think he's, uh, he's a great bet. Okay, Fergal O'Brien's Imperial Alcazar for Dermo. I can't let the uh, race pass without mentioning Kalashnikov, who I just love the idea that they're going to go up in trip uh, this season. This is a market step up, of course, hitting the uh, the three-mile marker in this, in this race and over hurdles. I'd be fascinated to see how Kalashnikov runs and what they do uh, going forward for the rest of the season. Going to have to come in and give these lot lumps, but uh, uh, fully deserved on the best of Kalashnikov's ability. So good luck to Amy Murphy with Kalashnikov in that race. And uh, if I'm going to have a bet at it, I will uh, certainly be throwing a few uh, sentimental notes uh, the way of Kalashnikov in there. Uh, all systems go, fingers crossed. Uh, why don't we move on to the 240 at Ascot, uh, talking horse for everybody. And um, we've been mentioned on this podcast a few times in this for this coral hurdle, which is a great two, is Goshen is back, Dermo. And, and Goshen um, for Gary Moore, who's just, you know, his yard have been coming coming good recently, getting a few across the board. And maybe now we're going to see Goshen enter that champion hurdle picture that we were talking about before. Yeah, I, I can't get away from the fact that I think people are massively overreacting to the this horse's uh, flat runs. I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of good hurdlers who just do not translate that form to the flat at all. I mean, Charger's one of them. Um, Willie Mullins' uh, horse, he, he just hasn't performed on the flat at all. So it, it, it didn't concern me as much 
as it seems to other people, he should have been winning the race that, 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 that he was losing, obviously. But mm. it just didn't concern me as much as it did an awful lot of others. Um, I couldn't take 7-4 to four saying that, and this race is definitely a no-better race for me because you've got the likes of a, a Call Me Lord here who's obviously very interesting and is a real kind of solid sort. You've got Lorena who's very interesting, but her, her bleeding issues is just something that you have to be massively concerned about. So this is definitely a no-bet race for me, but it just wouldn't surprise me whatsoever, Dean, if um, if Goshen was to come out and be as good as he was last season because the flat runs, just they, they just don't really concern me. An awful lot of uh, jumpers haven't haven't translated their form to the flat at all. And it just kind of, how good a hurdler he is, he just kind of couldn't really get away from anyone and it just wouldn't concern me. But as the race goes, it took me a long time to say it, but no, Dean, I've no real bet in this race. <laughs> we got there in the end. <laughs> uh, Paddy, uh, Goshen is the token horse here for sure. Dermot make a great politician. <laughs> he knows that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I would agree with Dermot. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too worried about his exploits on the flat caution. I thought he ran reasonably well on both occasions and really probably tried to prove a point of Goodwood. They maybe put the gun to his head a bit too much in desperate conditions and you know, at the same time he's run well again. Uh, but I think simply because he, he was so good over hurdles last year that just thought it was a given that he could come back and exploit the flat mark. But it's just not gone that way. But nonetheless, you can not knock this horse in any shape or form of what he's done over hurdles. And obviously he's won round here and I just think, you know, I mean, there are horses here that are going to win races, but for me, he's proper battle-hardened, Goshen, and I think if they let him have it his own way out on the front end, for me, I don't think they'd see which way he goes because the Gary Moore team are still in very, very good order. No worries mm. there at all. And although he's going to be taking a good old chunk out of the market at round about seven to four, I, I think he's worthy of it. Yeah, I do. I do too. I expected to see Goshen line up in a race, something like this, and be much closer to an even money poke. Um, Dave, if Goshen sees a hurdle, I think yeah, this is... Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think he's probably... He's the right favourite, like, and he, he should win. Um, it's Thermo said, it's, it's complete no-bet race. Like, um, like, call me Lord is a solid 150 horse, and he, six pounds to give to Goshen. Like, the interesting one for everyone is, is going to be Lorena. She comes out on the right side of the weights, but she's seven year old now and she hasn't really done it in a year. Um, ever since winning her beginner chase last year. So Paul Nichols have to work some magic there. It's just it's interesting that Paul Nichols hasn't given Lorena and Real Steel a uh, wind up because this is usually his forte, especially when he gets new horses in to give him a little wind up. So whether he's it's a fact finding mission or it's um they're sound in wind and they're showing showing plenty of home, it's interesting. Song for someone is probably the one you'd probably take to chase Goshen home. Um, it's a progressive horse, but uh, I've no interest in having a bet. Hopefully, Goshen wins and makes the champion hurdle picture even more murkier because that's what we love. Um, and ho hopefully, he wins well. Yeah, I, I, I think he will. I, I think you know they can be happy enough with those flat spins, and it's the prices that people don't like them getting beaten at. Um, and I think the seven to four, I'd be amazed if that's around on Saturday, but maybe it'd even be bigger. You never know. There's a few Goshen uh, detractors out there. Um, I'd be delighted to see it come back and win. Although uh, you know, can chase Saint Wah home in a in a champion hurdle in due course. Um, let's have a look at the Betfair chase, uh, Dave. I'll let you go first. Um, in a similar fashion to the. The previous race we just discussed uh, with with Goshen uh, lost in translation. Uh, we'll have to you know beat some good horses, but this is kind of the race that lost in translation. Exactly. Um, 
like, it's not a great bet for um, Bristol Demoy. It's his Gold Cup, but he's been beaten by Lost in Translation last year. And the Lost in Translation did have a run last year, but I don't think that's really going to be an issue. We've seen a couple of contests at horses come out and win first time up. Um, Bells Hill, going backwards, Keeper Hill is not good enough. Kranazobo has only really got Kempton in mind. I would say so. Like anything odds against for loss in translation is is a bet probably, and five to four is is more than appealing. Um, at this at this day, moment in time. Yeah, I I agree with that. Dermo, do you see a reason to take on lost in translation? Uh, no, I, I was kind of disappointed really that um that that Santini wasn't given a go here. Um, just as a side issue, obviously. Um. I just think it was kind of this. This is the kind of race where you'd love to see him in them. Uh, you do understand why. I mean, Nicky Henderson doesn't like this race. He he's had my bite. You could argue soured quickly afterwards uh, when he lost this, and Bob's work was beaten. And he's only had sixteen runners in the last ten years, according to Horse Race Base, um, on mm. softer heavy ground at Haydock over fences. So it's just not a track that he targets. I think people were understandably pissed off that, that Santini's not running here, but it's just Nicky and trainers are fierce creatures of habit, so he, he just didn't fancy it. And you can understand why, especially with Santini's kind of injury record where he, he keeps kind of just barely making the festivals and stuff like that. But for the horses that are here, uh, Clandes Oboe is very interesting at the prices, but Lost, Lost in Translation doesn't get the respect that he probably deserves for that run in the Gold Cup last year. Every single horse of Colin Tizard's ran stinkers at the festival. And this horse, to finish a, a length and a half behind Alvin Photo on the day, he ran an absolute blinder. So his rating of 100, 171 is, is definitely valid. Um, I think he's a better horse than Clandes Oboe when everything is right. Colin Tizard's yard is flying five to four. I wouldn't be getting invested, but you can see why he's the favourite. And I do, I expect him to win really. Okay. Um, yeah, so do I. Uh, Paddy, I mean... You know, maybe it's not the best bet fair chase renewal because they put this gallop for the stars thing on and Santini goes there and, you know, Clandazobo is probably going to be only thinking about um, a King George in terms of preparation. Bristol de Mayo will be all guns blazing. This race often sets up exactly the same way every year and it's a soft ground, a uh, bit of a marathon test for, you know, the early season Gold Cup types. Yeah, I mean, currently at the minute, they're soft, good to soft to hate up, but I'd imagine it's going to ease. Um, I think we've got a pretty grim week weather-wise here so i'd imagine it's going to be a bit softer than that but i mean great course record hasn't he? he's four from five ahead of bristol de mayo mm. i mean i suppose he has been pigeonholed now isn't he that you know he, he's, he's a proper or he doesn't really perform to his best away from Haydock. but lost in translation when he did win this last year he really sort of sort of jumped out at everybody didn't he because the way he traveled and the way he jumped probably more in particular that day was fantastic and I'd, I'd agree with Dave. It's it's you know we've got a couple of we've got five entries. We've got two thirty three to one shots. A little bit disappointing as a spectacle, really. But generally, mm. this is a bit of a grueler this race, isn't it? But um, yeah, for me, very very worthy favourite, and and he'll he'll be the one to beat. Slight concern that maybe you know they got to run into Lost in Translation before this race last year. Not doing that this time round. Um, it's the only kind of change intact. Well, not really, because I mean. He won on his reappearance as well last year. Did, yeah. Do you remember he won that Colin Parker up at up at um, Carlisle? Carlisle where, you know, and yeah. I mean, he was coming off from outside the wings that day. So he's a horse that he's got no problem performing well fresh and, and, and won't be rusty. And 
I don't think they'll they'll leave anything to chance here for Saturday. Okay, pretty much uh, round the houses uh, vote of confidence for Lost in Translation, and it does seem that that's the way it's going to go. Albeit, Clandazobo, uh, uh, a very good horse, of course, uh, and uh, Bristol Demai could be Gold Cup date for Bristol Demai and Nigel Twist and Davis's eyes. So uh, that's the bet fair chase at three o'clock. What about the three fifteen, Paddy? I'll come to you first. Do you imagine they'll turn uh, Magic Saint out at Ascot just eight days after? Uh, getting it done um, I mean it's quite likely they will he's obviously in very good form and he'll probably set the market up for this uh, Coralhurst Park handicap chase yeah they could well do I mean he's not jocked up my end but there's not many yeah. jocked up in it so far to be honest um, he is going to have to give a nice bit of weight away uh, I mean even if they put Brian Carver on him again which you, you'd imagine they would I mean the next one yeah. down is, is, is Gino Trail on 11-4 I mean the handicapper has stepped in he's up to 159 he won off 147 the other day with Carver's claim being taken into account but he certainly looked back to somewhere near his best be interesting if they do turn him out here um but for me i think probably the horse here to beat if he does turn out is first flow he's a horse who does perform fresh and i just think an incredibly tough horse because you know, they put the gun to his head, you know, at this meeting last year when he popped out and he tried to put it up to Al Dancer in his novice chase. And he actually ran very, very well, albeit. Mm-hmm. I just think that that they emptied this horse out more than one occasion last year and he kept coming back for more. Very, very solid horse, this first floor. Jumps well, very consistent and, you know, still off a mark of 148. You would think in, in handicaps he should continue to be progressive first floor. Yeah, he's the horse I'm really interested in in this contest, and it'd be interesting to see uh, if this is where they do come. I imagine they will. Uh, Dave, you gave us a moolah gold on this pod uh, when it won, I think it was three weeks ago or so, for the Skeletons. I mean, would you be sticking with that magic um, um, or I think looking somewhere else? If you're looking at a moolah gold, you have to look at the horse finished second to him, um, Ibello for Venetia Williams, because there's very little between them. Um, and I think a moolah gold yeah. is probably lucky to, to, to stay in front that day. So... It's not really a race I've had a bet in yet, um, just because Magic Saints is there and he's just a typical Nichols horse that could be progressing and will take this race and move on then up to grade ones later on in the year. And I think first flow is probably the worst handicapped horse mm-hmm. in racing. Um, he was beaten eight lengths by um, Angel's wow. Brett at Ascot this time last year. And you'd say Angel's Brett at the moment is probably a 150 horse, 155 horse. And he was beaten by his board of gay at Ascot, beaten by Dolos with Chester Williams came in five off his back off 140. He's won a race at eight to 11 um, and got put up seven pounds mm-hmm. for it. And then he's gone on and won two Mickey Mouse races at four to 11 and one to 16. Um, I just don't think he's, he's that good. He's been winning Mickey Mouse race and, and off 148 to give weight away to some of these. It's going to be a massive task. And I, I think he's one to, to get beat here. I'm just not sure what beats him yet. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be having first flow at all in this. Okay. Well, it's conflicting view. I like first flow. Paddy likes first flow. Derm, um, Dermo Davis is all against first flow. And um, perhaps we're focusing on the wrong horse, or are we thinking about the right horse? Uh, no, I I really like uh, first flow for this. Um, I just think with the with the yards form and that that run behind Angel's breath. In my opinion, I know he, he was kicked out of the way, but. I really fancy Angel's Breath for the uh, for a Ryanair this season. It, if he can get himself right, I mean that that was a, mm. an a, amazing performance from Angel's Breath last season. And there's no doubt, as as Dave said, that he was beaten once or twice. But 
my good God, did he have a very, very heavy season last season. And, and you yeah, know, he, busy. he was beaten by Dolos, definitely. Uh, and that form wouldn't scream at you as being um, being uh, a very smart smart piece of form. But just it just didn't kind of go right from that day. And he made a very, very bad mistake that day. If I'm right, he got headed and he just kind of lost all interest. They they kind of straightened him up afterwards and he won races that he, he should win as as they've said, but if this horse is as good as they originally thought he was to be taking on the likes of Angel's Brett and Somerville Boy, well then, if he's running here of a mark of 148, you you just you'd have to think that that there's more to come from him. So, uh, first flow for me is definitely the um, the the pick in the race, uh, just just based on pure potential because they have always thought of this horse as being graded class. So if he is at five to one, he he should be winning this. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think Paddy's inclined to agree. Dave is is not interested at all in first flow. So that's that's a nice talking point for next week. Well, I won't be on next week for wins. Yeah, once we come back. Uh, Dave, you won't be... Well, I tell you what, if, if, if first flow doesn't win, you're on next week. <laughs> um, let's talk about the 335 at Haydock, Dave. As you didn't give us a selection, more of a negative uh, take on the previous race, why don't you go first with this? Is, is Don Poli back for, for the Skeletons to come and pick up a big staying handicap chase? Certainly with signs of life uh, in Don Poli the last day, but this 335 at Haydock, proper marathon stayers handicap chase. Uh, cloud again, cloudy it's Glenn. Certainly it's certainly getting there, right, Dean. Don Poli, he's off 130 now. Yep. you'd have to hope he's, he's he's getting towards a mark that he can win off um, I don't know whether you trust him or not but Dan Skelton's taking a kind of softly approach with him um, and maybe getting him back to his best now mm-hmm. there's a horse in here I, I liked um, it's finished second to Cloudy Glen last year it's one for Evan Williams secret reprieve he's about a 14 to 1 chance at the moment he's not jocked up Breton so hopefully he goes here Um Yes, yeah, so he's finished second in the two horse race behind Cloudy Glen, beaten by nine lengths. But form before that, he was two lengths behind a good horse in New Tide at Foss Lass and uh, behind Poker Play as well. He just look, he's just very unexposed. And I think a mark of one thirty for a six year old who could be going the right way. The yard are in good form, big winner last week. Um, I just think the price looks a few points too big. Um, and if he can handle this type of test so young in his career, I think he'd be bang there. Okay, secret reprieve, uh, Evan Williams' uh, horse in that 3.35. Paddy, I'll come to you next. Uh, try and sort out these marathon, uh, this marathon chase field. Yeah, I had him marked down as well, secret reprieve. There was three I had marked down. Obviously, Cloudy Glenn, he travelled mm. so lovely um, around Vaultwell the other day, didn't he? And I mean, he is a good weight carrier, this horse, and he's going to have to be if they turn him out again on, on Saturday. But nonetheless, I thought he won pretty snug the other day, albeit uh, it's a pretty quick turnaround off the back of a, a marathon yeah. effort. Um, the secret reprieve, he could be um, the one here because he has got very, very limited mileage on the clock. He's only had three runs over fences and he's a six-year-old rated 130. He just looks like, you know, a prize like this could be could be right up his street, albeit he is in, in against some seasoned mm-hmm. performers here. And I did think that Don Pauly showed enough at entry. I mean, he's only just run out of gas late on. Um, in the handicapper gave them two pound back, so he's one thirty now. Dave's right; he's not guaranteed to back that up, but you know, I think they've taken their time with him. Um, obviously, he's been expensive to follow, but I think his turn looks around about due here now. And I think if he does come forward and the wheels are still on after after entry, this is probably the best chance he's had for a while, Don Polly. 
for sure. And that's why I think he's a fascinating runner in there um, off that 130 mark for the Skeletons, having got that run in where he showed the promise of, of yesteryear. But he's 11 years old now, Dermo. Um, are you steaming into Don Poli? <laughs> I never want... I never was a Don Pauly fan. I don't think I will be now at 11 years old, really. Um, sure. As much as it would be brilliant to see. Uh, the one I really like here is um, is Midnight Tune for Anthony Honeyball, who's having a brilliant season, a really, really good season. And um, The seven-pound claim of uh, Ben Godfrey is very interesting. Um, he is a jockey now who's, who's rode two winners over the last uh, week or so for... Anthony Honeyball, he's looked very, uh, very comfortable. So a seven-pound claimer like him is worth his weight in gold. And Midnight Tune, he has some some very decent pieces of form, like when he beat uh, Molly Childers last season at Warwick over three miles on heavy ground. And he's had a few pulled-up efforts when it hasn't gone right for him. But when this horse does click, he's very good. And the uh, seven-pound claimer brings him down from a mark of 135 down to 128. So that's a much lower weight than he's been running off um, for for quite a while uh this is a horse who kind of caught my eye first time back in he went into my uh, tracker in 2018 when when Leighton Aspel actually rode him and he was unlucky behind uh Molly the Dolly and um he's a horse who has some 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 decent form and at eight to one there for the mark that he will actually run off because he will be running off at 11 stone five uh, with the current weights if if Cloudy again r- runs I just think he's he's a very good bet here Dean Okay, midnight tune uh, for the banging form Anthony Honeyball team and uh, Ben Godfrey taking off that crucial seven, which could well be needed on that soft ground over three and then three and an extended half a mile, um, proper marathon stuff. Uh, the one that interested me was Evan Williams's other runner, which is Pobbles Bay, who I just think, yeah, so many times I've fancied it was going to win a big test like this and it always comes up a bit shy, but they got a run in behind that Manila celebration in that entry race um, into Pobbles Bay. So that race could hold a bit of a key here. Um, and I'd be interested to see how Pobbles Bay goes. But the lads like Secret Reprieve is also uh, there for Evan Williams, and neither is dropped up yet. So interesting uh, to see what they do there. And, of course, lots of uh, sentimental, romantic eyes will be on Don Poli uh, for the Skeletons. Um, okay, uh, Paddy, you're our resident bumper expert after last week. I don't know if you uh, had a look at um, what's coming up in that in that bumper at 350 at Ascot, whether there was anything to take out. Usually it's, it's a pretty hot contest. Yeah, it's a very warm race. On paper, anyway, Dino, to be honest, yeah. looking at looking at pedigrees and whatnot. And there was there was three I noted down. Uh, the bomber listing is, he only comes out of a, a fast last bumper, but I mean, he got himself tailed off turning in. Um, it looked like he was going to drop out the telly. And to be fair to him, he got going up the straight. He just looked pretty slow. I mean, the winner won very, very nicely, but he was an eye catcher, the bomber listing. I just think this stiffer test and, you know, his, his, his first day at school over him, he could be the one uh, to take out of, of, of that first last race going forward. But as I said, there's some real nice pedigrees here. Hamilton's fancy is certainly bred to win a bumper. endless amounts of bumper winners in the pedigree. And then the other one I was wanting to mention was um, Can Do Kid for Nichols. Another one who was bred to do this job. But as I said, there's some real nice eye-catching pedigrees on show. But I would hope maybe with a bit of experience the bomber listing might just improve for the debut effort where he was sent off Fav. Okay, the bomber listing, interesting runner in that bumper for Nicky Henderson. And I mentioned there for Hamilton's fancy and can do kid. 
and uh, you know maybe if I'm having a really bad day the one that's going to come along and save me will be Wonderwall and I do apologize in advance for that it's in that race <laughs> um okay <laughs> um, right <laughs> I know it's gonna take time it's gonna have to sink in uh, what we we'll need to do now is come up with some uh, naps. And while you all compose yourselves to let me know what your best bet of the weekend is, there is a race at Thurless on uh, on Thursday. Now, most people listen to this podcast. This race will already have been run, but it will be fascinating to see our presenting Percy Monolly, Kenboy, Durasso, and Beyond the Law go in that boomerang chase at 120 at Thurless uh, on Thursday. But, I mean, rather than kind of dissect it, uh, the race will have been run by the time you get to this point of the podcast, I would imagine. Uh, but isn't it great to see them on the race course and not just galloping around uh, the television cameras in the morning uh, rather than that? Uh, so going for a race, that's always good. Good luck to all of them. Okay, so let's do naps, uh, lads. Dave, why don't you go first? And Thanks, certainly go first, Dean, because I have a feeling this will be a popular one. Um, real steel uh, in the 205 at Ascot. Okay, real steel, um, yeah, for Paul Nichols now after that big Gold Cup run uh, back at the right trip uh, at Ascot for Dave Weldon. Okay, real steel is the pick. Dermo, you're up next. Uh, yeah, so I've won just to keep an eye on as well, uh, just elsewhere on Saturday at uh, Nace in the 137. Um, yep. Number 13 there, uh, Barnavidown, I think is how you pronounce it, but it's uh, Thomas Mullins' horse, who's actually on great form. I mean, Graham Parker won for him at 33 to 1 last weekend, and um, it could be you, was a very well-backed horse as well. This horse really impressed me at uh, Downpatrick last season. Has had a few kind of uh, quiet runs since, but was second last time behind uh, Funky Doty at, at big odds, was rode at the back and stayed on very well late on. And he could end up as a big price here, but it wouldn't surprise me off a very low weight for a really informed team. He will probably have David Mullins up in his back, who which would be no harm to him. So that's the uh, number 13, Barn of the Down, in the uh, 137 at Nice on um, on Saturday. But my, my nap of the weekend is Imperial Alcazar in the, uh, the Stairs Handicap Hurdle at Haydock, which used to be the old uh, fixed brush. Yeah, the old fixed brush goes to post 225 Imperial Alcazar on Saturday in the Betfair Exchange Stairs Handicap Hurdle, currently around 5-1. to one. We don't expect that price to change much because it's going to be a nice big field if the, the Irish challengers come over as well. It makes it all the more fascinating. Paddy, you are up next. I've got a race that we, we didn't talk about, but it was the first at Haydock on Saturday at 10 past yep. 12. Um, do your job of Michael Scudamore's. I mean... I think you could make the argument that he did get a bit of a freebie at air the last day, but nonetheless, he jumped and travelled sweet as a nut. And I mean, Kadzand, who we absolutely kicked out of the park that day, he but he's bolted up in in the first at at Warwick Gone today. In today. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and he he beat a reasonable yardstick um, in second at two two minutes Turkish, and you know he kicked him out of the way. So form stacks up very well. Um, so in that pretty warm. Listed novice on Saturday. Do your job for the Scudamore team. Yeah, twelve ten at Haydock for Michael Scudamore. Do your job. Uh, not jocked up yet, but uh, you'd expect prices to be out and about for that race uh, in the next kind of forty eight hours or so. Um, my nap of the weekend is Windsor Avenue in the very first race we covered. Um, the the back and lay on Betfair Exchange graduation chase one fifty at Haydock. Brian Hughes is booked up. There is bits of ninety two around uh, as we uh, go to. Uh, uh, well, as we're recording, uh, I don't know how long that will last. Like, Savici feet probably going to defect elsewhere. 
And I think Windsor Avenue is a good bet. And uh, eyes for me will be on Goshen. I can't believe seven or four will be there at the weekend, but uh, we will see. It'd be great to see Goshen enter that champion hurdle picture. Uh, gents, thanks very much for recording the Race Hour podcast with us again, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, you've been Paddy Aspel, Dermot Nolan, and Dave Weldon. I've been Dean Ryan, and we'll do it all next week. Best of luck. You've been listening to the Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews. 